Are you short-staffed? Are you not trading to your full capacity? Are the same old ways of recruiting just not working? Are your recruitment costs escalating? Are you finding careers fairs and job boards less effective? Are you really targeting the people that you want? You can with Hospitality Rising. Hospitality Rising is a modern and relevant way to make hospitality a true career of choice. We've delivered over 55,000 real applications and over 10 million TikTok views in just 12 weeks. Join the revolution, let's stand together and rise up together to grab the talent we all deserve. And with six month packages available from just five pounds per employee, the real question is, why have you not invested in the future of hospitality? For more information and to invest, just email hello at hospitalityrising.org. That's hello at hospitalityrising.org. I'm Mark McCulloch, the founder of Hospitality Rising. Thanks for listening. Supersonic. 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 Welcome to Supersonic Hospitality Marketing with me, Mark McSee, where we meet the most interesting people in hospitality, marketing, business, and beyond to hear tips, tricks, and tales to help your brand boom. This podcast is sponsored by Vita Mojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity, and serve guests better. Hey there, my name is Paul Barron. I'm the founder of I Am Donna. We are the restaurant chain on a mission to revolutionize the kebab. In 2016, we opened our first site in Leeds with massive ambitions to go global. But first, we needed a change. Being a chef, I've always been a bit skeptical about being pushed down the technological route. But what it's done for labor and customer service has completely changed the game for us. We partnered with Vita Mojo to introduce their all-in-one restaurant platform. We now take 100% of our orders digitally through kiosks, click and collect and delivery channels. We've waved goodbye to the manual processing of delivery orders as we now have all our delivery partners integrated through Vita Mojo. We only need to do one menu push when updating menus across all platforms. Orders from all channels come into one screen in the kitchen making the operation faster and more efficient. The throughput is four times faster and we've seen a 35% increase in ATV. Our partnership with Vita Mojo has transformed I am Donna. It's a massive part of our revolution. Find out more at vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. I'm about to reveal hospitality's best kept secret. HDI are a mind-blowing hospitality data insight provider working with over 50 different businesses from pubs and bars to casual dining, QSR and coffee. Since 2017, they've led the way creating incredible insights from debit and credit card spending. If you want to know the customer profile and performance of every site on your street, which brands are performing best or where else your customers go, give HDI a shout. For mind-blowing hospitality data insights based on real credit card and debit card data, contact hello at hdinsights.com. That's hello at hdinsights.com. Hi, how's it going? Are you good? I really hope so. 
I'm in Brighton as usual and out and about for a wee coffee at my favourite coffee shop and I never know if I say it right. Wolfox. Wolf Wolfox? Wolfox. 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 Anyway. On Preston Street. There's quite a few of them down here. And it's uh, surprisingly done well for a mini chain, uh, which is really good to see down here. I remember when small batch coffee uh, opened two down here, I think it was. Uh, people started calling it Star Batch. So yeah, if you get big in Brighton, they're very, very quick to cut you back down to size. So great to see Wolfox or Wolfox doing very well. Lovely people, lovely coffee. Um, and they're not sponsoring anything. Um, I just really like going there. So that's my local. And I've just been taking a few Zoom calls and trying to get away from my desk and mix it up with some beach action and stuff like that. Also, uh, the Zoom calls were for Hospitality Rising, which is pretty much taking up about half my time at the moment. And I have to say, I'm loving every single second of it. It's just getting better and better every week. So really hope that, that can continue uh, into the next year as well. And hopefully everyone that invested believes and the other people who didn't invest would want to jump in for year two now that we've got some results. Some of the results I wanted to tell you about were 55,000 applications in 12 weeks, which we think is pretty good. I mean, we're not sure, but we think it's pretty good. So we're really chuffed with that. Just thanks to everyone who's been involved and invested and helped and interested in the project. It's just been just a real fantastic thing to work on. Okay, so to today's show and thinking about the podcast and our next guest, it's an absolute banger. I can't believe how good this is. I want to say a massive thanks to Rory Sutherland at Ogilvy, who you may know and love. Um, don't think there's anyone that's met him that doesn't love him. Uh, he put us in touch with the next guest and it is uh, Daniel Hume. Daniel Hume, who is the CEO of Satalia and the Chief AI Officer of WPP, can you believe? So, I mean, you've got to be smart to be doing that, and he absolutely proves that he is. So I think you're going to enjoy this chat, enjoy this episode. He's got a wee bird in the office, I think, or something, so there's like a wee bit of tweeting or chirping in the background, so um, that might uh, give you some meditative release um, or relief as we go through the episode. But yeah, the whole thing today is on AI and I wanted to test something out on you. So I went to chat GPT and I put in, please write me a podcast intro for a show all about marketing and AI. And it did, of course, within about three seconds and it just didn't put a foot wrong. So I'm going to try a little thing out on you. This is not me next. Uh, this is all AI for the intro, the real intro for the show. And then we'll get talking to Daniel. So hope you enjoy it. It's very dense at the start. So please bear with it. There's just a lot of information to get out. So we kind of get past a lot of the density and, and we start getting a little bit more into uh, layman's terms, which is good for me being a thicko. So anyway, hope you enjoy. Here's some AI and I'll see you at the end of the episode. This is scary. This podcast intro text and voice was completely generated by AI, but edited a bit by Mark McSee. Smiley face. Welcome to the AI and marketing episode of the Supersonic Hospitality Marketing Podcast sponsored by Vita Mojo, where we explore the intersection of technology and advertising. I'm your AI host for now, Rory and I'll be your guide through this fake intro. In today's episode, we'll be talking about the ways in which AI is changing the way businesses market their products and services. 
plus how AI is being used in marketing, from chatbots to personalized ads, we'll hear from an industry expert about the benefits and challenges of incorporating AI into marketing strategies and how businesses can stay ahead of the curve. We'll also explore the ethical considerations of using AI in marketing, such as data privacy and the potential for bias in algorithms. Whether you're a marketer looking to stay current with the latest trends or a business owner looking to improve your advertising efforts, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and join us as we delve into the exciting world of AI and marketing. And now, let's get started with our next guest, Daniel Hume, Chief AI Officer at WPP and CEO of Satalia. Daniel is a leading AI marketing expert who will be sharing their insights on the future of AI in advertising. Right, enough robotics. Let's join my larger-than-life human friends Mark McSee and Daniel Hume on this exciting podcast episode. Bye for now. So it gives me the most robot overlord pleasure ever to introduce my next guest, and we're going to talk all about AI and I think I've got the right guy to talk about it. I've got Daniel Hume, who is from Satalia, and a new made-up title, I think as well, a fairly new job title, of Chief AI Officer. I didn't even know these existed. And uh, Satalia is a WPP company, so I don't think we could be in better company today. I'm really excited. So, hi, Daniel. Thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure, Mark. Great. So it took us a wee while to hear each other. So we thought this was going to be some kind of smoke signal podcast. So I'm glad it's not. So that's exciting. Um, so where are you in the world? I am in London, Islington at the moment, uh, but I've got a lot of traveling coming up. I think I'm in oh. Australia for one day, uh, Dubai next week. And uh, yeah, a lot of traveling. Australia for a day. Yeah, that's going to be painful. <laughs> so a day to get there and then, yeah. Um, oh well, that's fun though. Um, that's part of being part of the big global giant as well, isn't it? Getting Absolute. all that. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's exciting. That's really cool. So I guess um, what was interesting for me was I was away. I took a month off, right, in in December, and I thought nothing will happen in December. You know, it's always quite quiet in hospitality. I'll be fine. Go to Tenerife, get a wee, you know, sunburnt, not a tan, being Scottish. And then what happened was I come back and people are going do you know about this chat GPT thing? And I was like, what? <laughs> so it seemed to have this explosion in November towards December that all of a sudden it's became something everyone's talking about. And even this morning, um, not that AI is just that, and we'll, we'll delve into that, but even this morning listening to Chris Evans and, and Chris Moyles on the radio because I'm stuck in the 90s somewhere, um, they, were do, they were actually using voiceover AI uh, to then replicate their own voices, replicate people like Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters, um, and, you know, fool people about what it is that they're doing. And then they were tweaking it as they were going, and you could see how much it was improving across the space of the programme as well. So, yeah, so I guess um, we'll get into that soon. But first of all, I was just really keen to know just a little bit more about you and, you know, how you got to where you got to, because it just sounds like the fanciest title in the world and a very lucky boy to, to, to have this job um, and just yeah how you got into it and um, yeah how you're an AI chief now it'd be really interesting to know how you how you got there. 
Of course, yeah. I think luck has played a huge part of it. I, I guess ever, ever since I was very young, I've been interested in in what it means to be human uh, and um, and alive. And, and when you start to think about you know building systems that could potentially be conscious or, or whatnot, then you end up um, getting in the in the world of AI. So actually, my my undergraduate at UCL was was in AI. My master's was in AI. PhD uh, in AI. I ran a master's program in in essentially applied AI at UCL. For many years and i'm currently entrepreneur in residence um, at ucl so helping them take um, deep technology and figuring out how to spin it out particularly around around ai uh, but I, I did start a company during my phd called satalia and satalia uh, grew to about 120 people uh, building um, ai solutions for some of the biggest companies in the world including tesco and pwc and uh, back in uh, the end of 2021 we um, we were acquired by wpp uh, where I take on dual roles. One, I'm continuing to to scale Satalia um, as chief uh, uh, um, executive officer, and I'm also taking on the role of chief AI officer across WPP. Wow. Holy crap. So you're overqualified for this podcast. <laughs> let's see, let's see. <laughs> and what, what sort of ages were you doing that? What sort of age did you start the company? I started the company around uh, uh, 28, um, just at the back end of my my PhD and uh, yeah, let's just got very lucky um, uh, in terms of the the, the the type of subject that I've been been interested in and passionate about. And obviously, right now is a great time to be in this space. So you're glad you didn't study NFTs? Uh, well, you know, I, I often I often advise people that uh, that they should they should lean towards things that they're interested in because you never can really yeah. predict the future. So uh, yeah, yeah, always always do do what you're passionate about. Nice. And then just in terms of some of the people you mentioned, like PwC and Tesco and things like that. Like what types of things were you doing for them? Like what were the projects? Well, so I've built an entire career kind of defining AI. I do a huge amount of public engagement around demystifying what these technologies are and aren't because there's still a huge amount of misunderstanding. Uh, and, and, and actually, I think that definitions of, of AI are, are wholly unuseful. Um, and so uh, more recently, I've been talking about kind of six applications of AI. So technologies that emerged over the past few decades um, that have been supercharged by data, by cloud, by uh, accelerated compute, uh, by improvements in algorithms. And, and, and in those six applications of, 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 of these technologies are things that Satali have been involved in over the past decade. Um, everything from um, optimizing uh, the routing of vehicles uh, for Tesco, so doing their last mile deliveries using advanced algorithms, um, all the way through to profiling um, staff based on their skills, their hopes, dreams, desires using machine learning, um, through to generating content um, using technologies like ChatGPT, through automating basic processes using relatively simple algorithms that free people up from from mundane tasks. So uh, I, I think there are these kind of six applications and each application has a different set of technologies, methodologies, uh, questions about ethics and, and safety sitting behind them. Uh, and, and, I, and I prefer looking at AI through the lens of those applications rather than through definitions. Well, let's go back and just headline those for people again, because that was a lot of information. So the six yeah. are so uh, yeah, I think I only mentioned four there, but um, uh, the, the first is, is automation, which is just using relatively simple uh, algorithms to 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 re remove um, uh, tasks, uh, simple tasks that human 
humans do. Um, so repetitive tasks uh, that use these these relatively relatively simple processes. Um, I, I think automation often gets kind of poo pooed from the uh, the AI community because they are algorithms that are, are quite simple. But the reality is is that automation is having a massive impact on 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 on, on how organisations operate. But you know by freeing up human labour from doing mundane tasks, they're able to do good, more and more interesting things. So so whilst the technologies and the Beneath them are not massively sophisticated. Um, the impact is quite quite huge. The se the second um, is is generative AI, so generative tools, and we'll probably talk more about this because it's a hot topic at the moment. But using these technologies to 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 to, to generate text and video and audio and all that good stuff. Um, the third is um, is the humanization of of uh, of uh, 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 interfaces and what i mean by that is replacing what looks and feels like a human being with 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 a, with a bot with a, with a chat bot or, or an avatar and then there are interesting ethical considerations around that so there's humanization the fourth is um is extracting complex insights from data so i guess that's what people would call machine learning so over the past decade we've managed to get these tools to extract correlations from data and then explain those correlations to us uh, to help us understand the world in new exciting ways the fifth is around optimization actually and the optimization is a is a set of technologies that have been in academia for for five or six decades um and 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 that's um around complex decision making uh it used to be called operations research i won't, I won't bore you with the the details but it's a, it's a different type of mathematics to what people I guess refer to as being uh, machine learning and then finally there's robots and um and uh, the augmentation of human beings using cybernetics and exoskeletons and also the augmentation of you in the in the in the um in 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 the, in the metaverse so those are for me are the six categories the six lenses of 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 uh, emerging technologies um that, that we're seeing being used and in terms of each of those what do you think how's the next little while going to lay out you know what what's the focus right now and then what seems like you know sci-fi tomorrow's world like what's what's so far well, away and unfortunately i think there's been a lot of focus on machine learning and yeah. and i would controversially argue all the extracting insights from data i think people think by extracting insights from data and giving those insights to human beings are able to make better decisions and and, and based on our experience it's just not true human humans are are capped to our decision making ability and giving them more and more insights usually doesn't lead to better better um, um uh, decisions so we see a lot of um progress impact being through automation you know use, using basic algorithms and also optimization so um uh, uh these technologies that are able to optimize you know routing of vehicles your supply chain warehouses um even figuring out what price to give to customers again these are different flavors flavor of technologies and then you you see a, you see a big big return on investment i think we're going to start to see an explosion of applications of generative ai and, and wpp have been using these technologies for many years uh, but some of the other applications are actually less less um, impact right now why do you think ai is such a hot topic now when it has been going on for years what what sort of happened in the in the world for it to be all focused on that and it seemed to be an explosion a big bang of six weeks that it just yeah. all of a sudden came into everyone's conscious yeah like many overnight success these technologies have been you know decades in the making and i think it, the the kind of culmination of data the combination of parallel processing um i you know computation of 
new advances in algorithms, you know, some new advances in algorithms means that we're now able to solve problems uh, uh, um, an order of magnitude um, uh, in terms of scale. Um, and uh, and we're now starting to kind of feel the impact of that. Um, and, and I think that over the next few years, we're probably going to see another order of magnitude uh, improvement. So so I think that the people have woken up because they've started to see the the, the true impact of these technologies across um, their, their organizations, their lives. And are there examples of companies that are using it really well right now? And then I would segue that into, you know, thinking about hospitality, you know, what the, the uses for it might be. But is there anyone using it particularly well at the moment? So I think there's a couple of challenges here. One is I think that um, companies um, think that they should be using machine learning. And I think that companies don't have machine learning problems they have decision problems so there's been uh, there's been a miseducation of of decision makers choosing the wrong technologies to solve their problems so that's the first they've also been hiring data scientists and again i would argue those are not the people you should be hiring you should be hiring decision scientists initially so you should be automating the decision and then and then figuring out how to provide better insights to make better decisions um, so, so I think there's been a miss um, a hiring of of talent. There's also, uh, I guess, uh, an impulse to say, well, let's build a data lake and then put some sort of analytics layer on top of it, and then get people to to extract insights from that data. And again, unfortunately, I think that um, that that's a misinvestment. And um, so, so I think there's been a number of challenges that 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 the companies have faced over the past couple of years where they haven't reaped the benefits but in terms of who does it well if we look at those six different applications most companies do one of those applications well i think where satalia is quite unique um you know based on on, on my experience we, we we've got a good visibility across all of those six applications and actually use them as building blocks to bring um, step change solutions to our clients so if i think about tesco one of their problems of their routing um, um, is 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 optimizing um, the routing of their vehicles, but one of them is machine learning, which is you know predicting how um, how long it's going to take to deliver to a particular customer. Another flavor of technology is, is the actual calculating the route itself, cal calculating how how long it gets from A to B. Each one of those different problems requires a completely different set of technologies, a completely different set of thinking skills, uh, and um, and and so I think that you know there are organizations that are applying one or two of those types of, of of technologies well um i think there's less than a handful of companies in the world that know how to apply all six and just in terms of if we come right out of it at the moment because obviously we're talking about business and all these things but as an everyday person what differences will it make to you know at the average joe's life you know what what will people start to see because you know they still talk about the internet of things and, you know, your fridge will tell you when, you know, you run out of this and whatever. And yeah, there's a bit of that if you're savvy enough to do it in the smart homes and whatever, but what changes will it make to, to everyday life in the home and, and just as you go about your business? I think there's a, there's a short, medium and long-term perspective on this. Um, I, did, I just did a, my, my most recent TEDx talk was on the kind of long-term impact of, of, of AI, which is much more of a kind of macro effect of these technologies over the next 20 years. Um, I think in the short term, very little, actually. It, it takes organizations several years to be making mistakes, investing in the wrong technologies, um, uh, and, and then getting their infrastructure um, in a place that can actually start to capitalize on these technologies. Um, you know, Satalia can helping organizations do that for 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 many years and i can cite some some companies that have been doing it really well um 
Uh, so, so I think it will take you know companies several years to 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 catch up, um, ready themselves. So we might not see a huge amount of change. Um, I think that in in the medium term, in the in the three to kind of seven years, we will start to see this in these technologies interfacing more and more with our our everyday lives. So you know, engaging with like chat GPT type technologies through our word processors, through our Excel, through PowerPoint, you know, suggesting how to lay out things better. Essentially, they'll be they'll be augmenting um, uh, our everyday lives, helping us make better decisions, um, particularly, you know, with regards to kind of the stuff that we don't see, the supply chain, these technologies will be used to optimize supply chains, remove inefficiencies, help organizations kind of co-optimize across um, their different infrastructure. Um, and hopefully those benefits, those efficient efficiency benefits will then be passed on to the customers. So if I can reduce cost and friction massively across, across my supply chain, I'll be able to then pass those cost benefits onto the customers. So, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a school of thought that these technologies can start to bring the cost of, Goods like healthcare, like education, nutrition, energy, down down very very cheaply. You know, if I get a taxi, the majority of that cost is is the labour. If I can remove the labour, then then I, I, I get a, a taxi ride for very very cheap. But then there is a concern about the impact that these technologies have on on jobs, which is probably more of a longer term consideration. I think um, you know, just in terms of some of the AI stuff I'd, I'd been reading up on as well, there was a great article from. Um, FirstMinute.Capital, um, which is Brent Hoberman, my old, my old boss from LastMinute.com, you know, his guys. And one of the points was, it kind of felt, the way that I read it was, you can sort of, you shopping-wise, you'll be able to like, kind of get what you want, like exactly. So for example, you know, there's a collab at the moment, Nike times Tiffany. You could actually just ask a bot to do that and then get them printed and then you're away. Or, um, you know, that certain piece that you wanted for your your house or your apartment or whatever it is that just wasn't available you say well what if you know gucci did you know whatever it was door stops you know let's have one of those and you know it just looked you know super interesting from that point of view some of the applications then you know in terms of i'm thinking about who's screwed right so i think there's a lot of people in advertising will probably be quite worried um I think there's, you know, probably copywriters are potentially quite worried. The thing that I'm hearing though, and, and the plus side is AI at the moment feels very all brain, no heart, you know, which is quite a nice way to put it. So I think they've still got an advantage, but you know, what other areas do you think are going to have a hard time? You know, education is going to be tricky, right? Kids might never need to learn anything again, you know? Uh, there's a couple of things there to, to unpick. Um, so so okay so okay so where to even begin the uh so i think humans have an innate desire to want to learn and be, become better and you know i don't stop learning how to play the guitar or chess because an ai can do it better than me i i, I take pleasure in learning stuff and um and, I, and actually I, I you know my long-term my personal vision is to try to free up as many people from economic constraints um, give them access to free education, free food, all of the things that they kind of need to survive and thrive, and 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 then let them choose how they want to spend kind of spend their time. There's a there's a concept called the Star Trek economy, and uh, and I guess the the hypothesis is instead of you know you you, you wanting to accumulate wealth, 
you're 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 driven by actually wanting to contribute to to society. And you know, I know lots of people that don't have to work; they don't have to learn anything, but but they do. They 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 are using their assets and their time to try and contribute positively to humanity, either in the short term or or, or the long term. So even if people didn't have to work for paid um, labor it doesn't mean that people stop working and uh so so you know but i think between now and then um these technologies will be um augmenting enhancing freeing up people to do more and more interesting things um certainly you know wpp have been using these technologies to augment the creative process for many years and that will continue for many 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 years more and we'll just get better and more creative and, and push uh, and challenge human beings to, 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 to be even better. When it comes to the kind of all brains and no heart, I guess, interestingly, some of the challenges around chat GPT and then some of the technologies that have emerged is that, is that actually their inability to reason about the real world. Um, you know, they're, they're trained on language. They're not necessarily trained on, um, uh, you know, how objects move and occlude themselves and things like that in the real world. So actually, there's a big logical layer that needs to get developed over the the the, the, the years to make them even more powerful. Um, but but I see I see the medium term as these technologies augmenting, enhancing, unlocking the creative potential of of humans. And and if we reach a point where we don't have to work, potentially all of the things that we depend on to survive, the food, the healthcare, the nutrition is all free because, because AI has taken all the friction out of it. And then, and then that gives people the freedom to, to work on whatever they want. Again, it might not be paid work, but it'll be doing things that I think will enhance um, the, 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 the human condition. Mm. It sounds like a lovely utopia to, to be in. It sounds quite, you know, a, I'd buy a bit of that. that sounds well, great. I, I think that I think what we I don't, I don't want to kind of advocate for a utopia. I think we'd all disagree on what a utopia sounds like. Um, I think there are too many people born into economic constraints and mm. uh, and, and and even poverty, and and we should be doing more and more to free those people up. And I think that these technologies will play a, a part in in doing that. I I also think that um, you know you you mentioned about getting goods to people more more effectively and and. You know, consumption gets a rap, bad rap because you know we are putting pressures on our planetary boundaries, and I do believe that that these technologies will help help alleviate some of the concerns around climate and and whatnot. But but you know, the, we're getting goods to people that are enriching people's lives and 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 making them happier and healthier, and um, and we need obviously need to do that in a sustainable a sustainable way and educate people around you know what what goods are good for them and potentially what goods are, 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 are not good for them. Uh, but, but actually, I think that by helping brands reach more people, make more money, we're also helping brands achieve their purpose. And we've seen, obviously, over the past five years, uh, you know, purposeful companies being top of the agenda. If you don't have a strong purpose, you're not going to attract talent. You're not going to attract um, customers. And so, and so what I'd like to think is that whilst... Well, one of the things that WPP do very, very well is is essentially a, a, um, a helping brands get their goods to customers, making them money. But I think what WPP will do is, is help companies achieve their purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the collective purpose of enterprises, the collective purpose of all of these brands that will make these glorious futures for us. Hi everyone, I'm Lucy, Head of Sales at Airship & Toggle. We may have met before at one of the many hospitality events we sponsor. Well, we have now partnered with the legend himself, Mark McCulloch, to support the Supersonic Hospitality Marketing Podcast that delivers on inspiring and thought-provoking topics for our sector. 
In case you don't know, Airship is a hospitality-focused tech company that's supporting operators in building a better understanding of their customers' visiting habits, which in turn helps them target, personalise and automate the marketing in our CRM platform. And Toggle, which is our gift card platform and an excellent stream of revenue through prepaid gift cards, experiences, tickets and even merchandise. Our model is a little bit different to most. Our platforms and a predictable fixed monthly rate, so no surprise invoices. And our current budget-proof campaign, you can get four months half price, which ends on the 31st of March. So you can learn more on our websites at airship.co.uk or use toggle.com or just simply drop me a message on lucy at airship.co.uk. Have a great day. A creative agency for the hospitality sector, Saved by Robots create compelling brands and memorable experiences through great design and engaging storytelling. From Scottish Restaurant of the Year Sugar Boat to Tip Jar, the digital tipping platform that's taken over the world, Saved by Robots excel at bringing ideas to life. As well as developing new concepts and refreshing existing brands, the robots provide outsourced graphic design to help multi-site operators grow with confidence. Check out their work and get in touch at savedbyrobots.com. Do you think, I mean, it's a hard question to answer, but with AI and then taking the labour out and taking the costs out through AI, then gets things for free, will it not just be a huge, you know, Unilever will just own a bunch of AI that then they'll charge what they always charge for? You know, will it be this free society? I think that the the market forces will almost always play a part. And, um, you know, there's a question there of a a monopoly and that, you know, that's what governments are there for to prevent prevent that from happening. Uh, And and I think, again, if we if we orchestrate orchestrate architect um, ourselves in the right way, those market forces will mean that, that most of those innovations um, will not be held by one company. They'll actually probably be free as well, right? If mm-hmm. um, maybe, maybe a, a, you know, one example is that you know, we we've built a fantastic, I don't know, supply chain solution, last mile delivery solution, let's say, but but you know, in theory, Amazon could go and get lots of cheap capital from the market, build an innovation. Uh, it might not be as good as what we've built, but but build an innovation market better than us because of access to cheap capital. And um, but if I actually open sourced my solution, if I made it free, mm-hmm. um, then it, it doesn't make any sense for Amazon to to go and invest in it. They should be using the one that I've just open sourced. So I actually think that companies over the next um, decade will end up opening their innovations and making them available because they realize that actually the longevity is in the data that they're collecting and the talent that is innovating them. It's not the the, the money that they're, that they're making in the short term. So I think more and more innovations will become free and, and abundant. If we made our delivery solution free, then that could be used for hospitals. It could be used for police. It could be used for various different corners of the world that will never be able to be able to, to spend money on, on, on buying or building these types of solutions. Brilliant. No, it sounds good. I'm up for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> Just see as Italia's new planet. I'm I'm there. Um, so in terms of then coming down the funnel, then so I guess we've got how it affects life in general. Um, being selfish now, how will it affect marketers um in their everyday life? You know, what what are they going to see? What changes will they see? What benefits will they see? I think I think what we're we're already seeing is is freeing people up from the 
the the creative process that is boring and you know the 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 we're, we're using these technologies to generate new and exciting ideas that that marketers can build campaigns around i think what we'll we'll start to experience over the next several years is is akin to i guess what happened in the in the finance industry in the 2000s where high frequency trading or algorithmic trading really started to take off so if we can automate that process of getting campaigns out there, putting them in front of people, getting the feedback, adjusting those campaigns. What we'll be able to do is just is hypercharge um, the, um, the the getting goods to, to to the right people, which is which is fantastic. So I think we're going to see uh, 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 the algorithmizing, the systematizing of the entire that that entire process. Um, and, and by the way, I think most of the people that are part of that process feel frustrated by it anyway, so they'll, they'll gladly um, be freed up to go and do more interesting things. The Things that they want to be doing like the creative part um so there's you know lots of things that ai will will struggle and continue struggle to, to, to struggle to do that human beings can can lean towards so so i, I i'm not concerned uh, at all over the next um, decade or so um and uh, and i think the world will look very different um uh, by then anyway well it'll be really interesting to see um and then coming down a step further what about hospitality how will that affect hospitality companies, you know, restaurants, cafes, bars, hotels, all the rest of it, both for the offer of what they do um, and also for the consumers, you know, what what can they expect? Yeah, again, historically, what we would be looking for in terms of any business is does this is this faster, better, and cheaper? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and what I, you know, humans value things way beyond faster, better, cheap, cheaper. We we value education. We value nostalgia. We value being part of a community. We value being doing something that's making the world better. There's a whole load of things that we we value. And so what what I what I hope is that these technologies will 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 make things. We'll, we will commoditize faster, better, cheaper. Uh, and then I hope that then the effort, the energy will be put into um, into the other things that human beings value, the relationships, the nostalgia, as I mentioned, the the reward, the the even the kind of self-transcendence, the making the world better. So the, from an exp- we will hopefully see a more experiential um, um, way of engaging with those brands um, rather than just being able to get them delivered to our door the next day. And in terms of, I think you were touching on this as well, what you should be and what you shouldn't be eating, you know, and, and things like that, you know, is AI going to have a lot to do with that about almost by the minute shaping A, with health in mind, um, but also B, in terms of what people are buying. So I've always sort of dreamt of having this restaurant that is almost like Amazon uh, recommends, right? That, you know, you just go with it. It'll be this limitless kitchen that then, you know, you're constantly serving up the most popular things around the world that people are having. So therefore, if it's most popular, you know, you'll be self-generating in terms of income and all the rest of it. But would those types of things happen, do you think? It's funny you say that, because my brother who lives with me is, a, is a, essentially a Michelin star chef. And Is that right? For, for the past five years, we've been, we've been asking ourselves, how can you get michelin star quality foods uh to the masses but highly adaptable and and i i I think that it's possible so i think that it's possible to highly customize that experience to you and hopefully the ai will understand you know 
who you are, what you like, even what you might like. And then we're able to optimize the, the production, um, the access to the supply, the goods, um, as much as possible to enable those chefs to be creative to create new things that they I can't, but then get them to you as effectively and efficiently as possible. Uh, and 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 it's funny you use that analogy because that's the, the that's the kind of picture I have of of that that world in the future. And I do think it's absolutely doable. And you can apply that same kind of hyper adaptive, hyper localized, hyper specific model to hopefully all of the things that we're going to be experiencing in the future. What's your brother's name? Uh, he's he's called Peter Whaley. He's a uh, Ah, okay. We we'll need yeah, to check him out. What was the restaurant? Uh, he, well, he's he's worked at, there at lots of different restaurants like the Fat Duck and then whatnot, and and he's wow. currently working. He's work, currently working on his own initiative at the moment, which uh, I can't talk about. But along the lines of what you just mentioned. Oh, great! Well, we we'll need to get him on when he's when yeah, he's done of, it. Of course, yeah. of course. And and what about things like, you know, hotels? You know, what what do you think the you know AI could add to that for for consumers, guests, and 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 for the hotels themselves? Yeah, I think if if hotels know the customers more, they can provide better experiences for them. I think that uh, there's there's obviously still massive room for efficient efficiencies across um, across hotels. One of the projects that Satalia do is around pricing um, uh, for hotel rooms. Uh, there's a lot of room that can be improved in terms of pricing. There's a lot of room in 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 terms of how to um, again how to to make efficiencies across that. But you you, know, you might be able to go into your hotel room in the future and it be customized to you. Uh, in, enhancing your experience and all that, all that good stuff. So taking the the, the model that you just mentioned about food, applying to hotels, um, I, you know, just expect these technologies to be making uh, our experience of the world better. And then I guess you know we've talked a lot about generative AI in the main, but what about the robotic side of things and the exoskeleton and and all that? You know, wh- how good is that getting? And where might we see that? I guess. We've got a 400,000 shortage in uh, hospitality at the moment. Plus we have a 90%, 100% turnover, if I'm right in saying that. So not only are you trying to find 400,000 people, you're trying to replace 3.5 million as well. So robots could be a good thing, no? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And again, there have been massive improvements over the past decade in, 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 in robotics. I think one type of business model we might see appear over the, the coming years is instead of that room being cleaned by a person um, or that car being driven by a person, that person sits at home and is able to do the bits that the AI can't currently do, the robot can't do. So so the, the, the robot or the, the driverless car will will happily go along the motorway at the same speed, et cetera. But as soon as it needs to park or navigate something more complex, then the human being kind of kind of can be beamed in um, to take on that part. And I already know of companies that are looking at tapping into um, external workforces that get beamed into robots to do cleaning. So again, though, the robot will be cleaning the majority of your house and then where it, where it requires human intervention, the human's beamed in to the robot. So, so you, instead of one person driving one car, one person cleaning one room, you've got one person then in charge of 40 cars or 40 rooms because the, the robot is picking up um, 80% of the, of the effort. What do you mean beamed in? Uh, uh augmented reality virtual reality so you put your vr headset headset your your ar headset and then you essentially become part of the robot or part of the car so you're driving the car but from home whoa well and then is that is that going to like 
yeah, that's going to pull in sedentary questions. But I guess we're all sitting at laptops anyway. I guess so. What does it matter? Yeah, indeed. That's that's really interesting. That you know, you you're almost that near traffic controller that you're, you know, sort of running eighty cars out there, being exactly. a taxi driver. But you know, you you've just get one of you in in eighty cars. That's amazing. What about um, ethics then? Because there's going to be a lot of deep faking. There's going to be a lot of security risks. There's going to be, and you know, as a single man at the moment, I'm thinking about uh, online dating and all that stuff. There's going to be like so many implications for all this type of thing. You know, what what's the sort of watch outs there? What are you thinking about in that, in that area? Yeah, it's, it's something I've been thinking about for for a long, long, long time um, since, you know, my, my undergraduate really. And um, so, from a again, each one of those different six applications I've mentioned to you require a different set of ethical, safety, privacy, security questions. And um, so, from a generative AI perspective, you know, WPP have been doing this for for many years, and we've already faced into a lot of those a um, lot of those questions. I should I should say that controversially, I think that there's no such thing as AI ethics. Um, I know there's a lot of people out there that are kind of referring to themselves as, as AI ethics. I think there is a, a concept called responsible AI, which which can be split into two parts. One is, are we building these systems in a way that's safe? And are we using these systems ethically? Mm. Um, and I think that's 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 those two are different things. I don't think that AI makes any ethical decisions. Ultimately, we're the ones that decide how we use these technologies that we then build a system that then then um that, that performs you know what we desire the system isn't making ethical decisions the ethical decision has already been made by the human being that decides how they want to use the technology and it's that that needs to get scrutinized from an ethics perspective so even the stuff around bias and whatnot they are not ethical problems they are safety problems am i building a system that behaves how i want it to behave if it's biased, if it if it if it behaves even better than what I think and it causes harm, um, then these are all things as safety problems. So it, it's important that we separate those two concepts. And as I said, each if we separate those two concepts, each one of those two concepts has different sets of questions when it comes to those different um, different applications. But but as I said, there there are organisations that have been facing into this stuff for 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 many years, worked through it, and I would caution companies not to get bamboozled seduced by the ethical hype um there are there are unfortunately a lot of people out there that that they just refer to as this this world as being transparency and and you know uh and auditability and and, and explainability and then you ask them what they mean by that and they don't really know what they're talking about so so just just don't get seduced by the hype around around um, ai ethics there are, and, and try to make sure that you stiff out the organizations that really know and have been through this process for many years and then legally, you know, are we going to see the first people going to prison because of irresponsible AI and all these types of things? Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me that over over the coming years, when the you know EU AI Act comes and and it's being kind of imposed on 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 brands and organisations, that that they won't make an example out of somebody just to just to scare everybody else. Um, but um, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think that we're going to start to see these technologies impact people's lives in more and more dramatic ways, and those organisations that are not being responsible um, will be will be liable. Mm. At least you can take a robot in with you, and you know, have a, have a, have a roommate, someone to protect you. Might, you. you might you, you might be driving a car from prison. You never know. <laughs> That's true. Well, I, I think you know, just in terms of 
the legality stuff. What I'm thinking about is, see, at the end of the 90s, right, uh, Yosushi, I used to work for Yosushi, um, but this was before my time, they had robots going around the restaurant and they served drinks. They were on like little tracks, you know. It was all seen as very Blade Runner and whatnot. And uh, anyway, I think they stopped using it. I think I'm right in saying this. They stopped using the robots because the robot banged into someone in a wheelchair and it was all a big to-do. Yeah. Um, is that going to happen? You know, how, is that going to be an issue as well that we're you know, not quite a robot gropes you, but, you know, it bumps yeah. into you or you, you you get caught in its mechanisms or whatever, I don't know, but, yeah. Indeed. Yeah, so so what we will see is, you know, I think the argument for driverless cars is very strong, and, and I suspect that, you know, if we had a, a road full of driverless cars, there'd be less accidents, but there there will be accidents. Mm. And so and so what we will see is, at the moment, you know, if, it is, if it's a, is it a waiter or waitress that makes... That, that, that bangs into somebody in a wheelchair they're ultimately the ones that are, are responsible if it's a if it's a robot the question then is who is responsible is it the mm. company that provides a robot is it the software developers is it the ceo of that company and i think until we understand where that responsibility lies there'll often be a person that sits next to the robot yeah. or in front of the robot and then you know, i guess the same thing for for medical advice i, I suspect that the ais can provide superior medical advice for for you know many, many aspects um than, than 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 a doctor but but the doctor needs to be there to kind of protect whoever sits behind the ai um so yeah i think that getting getting a, a grip of who's responsible um is, is going to be very important over the next four or five years and what about new jobs then so robot chaperone is one um what about uh you know i guess you know prompt engineers and What's going to happen with all that? That seems vitally important. Yeah, so sort of, you know, who who knows in some respects? You know, prompt, prompt engineers um, could be a very short-lived job, um, oh. or it could or it could be a job that that, that lasts for for a, for a long time. So the, the 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 more creative you are, being able to ask the question, the, the, you know, the more differentiated the output is. So, um, but in theory, you know, it can build AIs to do that as well. Um, so I'm interested in identifying the areas that ultimately AIs can't do. And then, you know, obviously there's certainly an argument there around creativity and um, and hospitality and, and 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 whatnot. I I um, you know, on the one hand, I think that we will continue to see. AIs remove friction. I think over the next several years, we're going to see more and more jobs, more and more excitement around these technologies. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, companies have an impulse to 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 reduce costs, um, to increase profits, and we will we will we will see more and more people freed up. Now, if we get the timing right, those people could be freed up into a world where they can they can um, live without having to. To, to pay for food and, and, and education. I think between now and then, something another area that I'm very passionate about is the is the granularization of work. So I guess at the moment, most people join an organization in a role uh, and roles might not be protected for, for very, very, certain roles might not be project, protected. So interestingly, what we can do is we can use AI to profile people's skills, hopes, dreams, desires, et cetera, and then being able to allocate them to opportunities in a much more granular way. So instead of saying you're doing this role, and that's it uh, you actually can contribute to this organization in a hundred different ways mm. and today you'll be giving feedback the next day you'll be doing photography the next day you'll be doing software development the next day you'll be doing something else so can can we 
profile people, granularize work, so they it makes um, um, essentially labor much more fluid. And, and if we can, it's something I'm very, very passionate about, then it will also take the edge off uh, potential uh, job losses in the future. Uh, and again, the aspiration, the ultimate goal is to create a world where people are free to do what they want, that they, they don't have those economic constraints. And just in terms of recruit, using AI for recruitment as well, it's just something dear to my heart with Hospitality Rising that you know we work with Rory Sutherland on. You know, if we're trying to a change the perception of working in hospitality for the better, and also hire, you know, four hundred thousand people, or at least you know prompt some of them to come in, what sort of uses for AI would would there be there? You know, I think that skill set one you've just talked about is fantastic. Where you really because interviewing such a broken process, you know, and I think people can you know jazz an interview really well, you know, and get the old jazz hands out, but when they're actually on the job. Not so good. Um, so yeah. So, what other areas do you think could work for for recruitment and retention? Oh, I've never I've never been able to really crack the um, the interview process right now. I think you know, <laughs> w- w- working with somebody for for six months is the best test of whether you can work with them. Um, but but um, yeah, I, I think from a kind of hospitality perspective, if if you're not getting getting the labour. And, and it's causing harm or detriment to the organization, then then there's a need there. And that need will, you know, could be filled by a, a company that provides a, an innovation. So it might be for a period of time that there's a there's a pain point there that, that can't be filled by labor, but can be filled by by something else, like going back to the kind of robot cleaners that I just mentioned mm. to you. Um but but uh, but when we when we granularize work, you know, the vision potentially is that you you don't just belong to one company, but you can belong to to many many different organizations. So labor becomes liquid across uh, the entire um, in uh, of, of different industries and not just one organization. That's interesting. The sharing of the workforce, you know, um, where you you know just finishing off a dish or you're checking things at the pass or you know, God, that's really interesting. Cool. Well, I better let you go soon because I know you've got a lot on. Um, there's, so there's a couple of wee, other wee things I was going to just touch on. So one of the things I was just going to ask you about, and you said it right at the top of the show, which was definitions. And I know you're a bit like, oh, don't really like definitions, but it might be good just to you know frame that. So if someone was asking what AI is, but the yeah. most interesting thing, you know, I was like, wow. Is there an answer to what is it to be human? I thought those <laughs> questions were excellent. So yes, that'd be so, good to okay. know that. So the, the first one, I guess, I guess where people are a bit seduced at the moment is that is the is the first definition, which is getting computers to do things that humans can do. So this is the kind of realm of Chat GPT and, and and others. And over the past decade, we've managed to get machines to correspond in natural language, to recognize objects and images. And when, when we get machines to do things that humans can do, because humans are the most intelligent thing we know in the universe, we assume that that's intelligence. Now, I would argue that humans are actually quite limited in, in, in our intelligence. Um, and and you, so using human beings as a definition of intelligence is not the right thing there's a there's a much better definition of of ai that comes from the definition definition of intelligence and this is really important because it's it's goal-directed adaptive behavior so goal-directed in the sense you're trying to achieve an objective you're trying to route your vehicles more efficiently or allocate your staff to to maximize utilization behavior is how quickly you can you can answer that question so how frictionlessly and well you can answer that question but the key word is adaptive what you want to do is build systems that can adapt themselves to an ever-changing world and the reason why i think that 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 definition is 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 a challenge right now is because most of the things that people do in industry are not adaptive so everybody says that they're doing ai but the reality is is, is that 
to the de to the definition of AI, um, ninety five percent of what people do are, are not adaptive. They don't they don't build systems that can safely adapt themselves. So I think there's still a massive opportunity mm. to build safe adaptive systems, and if you in, and that's what will future proof your organization, and not 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 yeah. So so that's the first thing I guess. What it means to be human is, I I guess uh, I don't know I I I. When in my early twenties, I realised that there are people out there that are are passionate about things. They're passionate about food, or driving fast cars, or art, and 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 they 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 create. They stand at the edges of humanity, and and you know many of them are probably not very happy, but they they dream about their vacation. They think about it when they wake up. It engulfs them, and we, a philosopher once said that we get to bask in the warmth of their fire. And so we get to experience the food, we get to experience the creative output of all of these people that stand on the edge of humanity. And I guess for me, what the journey that I'm going on, a personal journey, is is to try to experience all of the the outcomes of of of, 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 of humanity, all of the all of the edges of humanity, to try to get a, a sense of what it means to be human. And and that's a journey I think I will go on forever. But I, I'd also like to be one of those people that do stand at the edge and hold out the candle so that we can see a little bit further. And I think that that where I'm standing right now is in the world of AI. And and I'd, I'd like to make sure that I can contribute to humanity in that way. That's a phenomenal answer. So last couple of things, just on a personal note, um, you know, I'm kind of quite into art and music and all that. What's it meaning for that? So if you're an artist, you know, doing music or if you're an artist doing art, um, you know, any of these things, I mean, that that looks tricky. Copyrights and all these <laughs> things, doesn't it? It's really tricky, and I, I honestly don't know if we have um, if we have all of the answers. Uh, mm -hmm. Again, I know that I know that obviously WPP have been been thinking about this and, and utilizing these technologies for a long time, for from creating imagery to, to video to, to to audio, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so they've navigated some of those complexities, um, but it, the challenges are only going to happen uh, experience exponentially. So the, the answer is I, I, don't, I don't know. Um, the AI EU Act is probably one element to to, to face into that. Um, but from a kind of kind of a, what does it mean in terms of humanity perspective? Um, you know, I think we will continue to to, to create. I, I don't I don't think it stops us from creating. Mm. Um, and and it might be it's the scarcity of human creativity that is still highly valued, even if an AI can produce something better than a human can do. Mm. It's it's still scarcity that we that we value. Um, so, so who knows? And I guess that's one of the reasons why people might value NF NFTs because because they're scarce. Yeah. Um, I can replicate them a thousand times, uh, but um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting few decades. I, I know that for sure. That's cool. Okay, so very last things then. Um, just to say to you before we did the show, uh, actually went on to Chat GPT and put in, you know, write me an introduction to a podcast that's all about marketing and AI. And, you know, it's came back with 500 plus words and it's like, no, perfect, you know. So it then says host what I would say, guest what you would say and all the rest of it. You know, I need to send it to you. Know, I'll put it in the show notes and um, might even, uh, you know, use it as the intro and, uh, and, and speechify it with someone. Uh, yeah, you exciting. can use me. Use me if you want, if you. But because uh, uh, we have obviously that technology now that that that, that um, replicates people's speech. But I, I would like to see the output of that because I've been obviously playing around with it too. And one of the things I've been challenging myself is to is to try to to be differentiated from uh, oh. Chat GPT comes up with. So hopefully I am. Yeah. If I'm not, then that's a worry. 
Well, just a, a really well, just very quickly, I'll do a couple of lines just so you've got it. So it says host. It says AI podcast intro host. Welcome to the AI and marketing podcast where we explore the intersection of technology and advertising. I'm your host, Mark McCulloch, and I'll be your guide through the ever-evolving world of AI and how it's changing the way business market, uh, business mark, businesses market their products and services. In today's episode, we'll talk about all the ways in which AI is being used in marketing, from chatbots to personalized ads. We'll hear from industry experts all about what it is to be human. No, I'm only joking. Um, <laughs> about the benefits and challenges of incorporating AI into marketing strategies and how businesses can stay ahead of the curve. That's that's go. just the very top of it. I mean, it's like, yeah. it's it's two pages worth. Yeah, it, it took three seconds. Indeed. You know, so yeah, I'll send you that and we can have a wee look, but I might play around with it at the start of the show. Um, so on to some fun stuff, not that this hasn't been fun stuff. Um, so, I mean, I think that's an amazing start. I mean, it's such an overwhelming subject to to, to get to and, and get beneath it. So, you know, and I think we've been talking about this for about an hour already. So I think that'll be like loads for as a step one, but I'd, I'd love to, you know, talk to you more about it as it evolves, you know. Um, but I was just going to, um, you know, talk about a couple of things then. So a couple of fun things. So we do this thing in a program uh, called uh, Mark Out of 10. And it's just to see what you're into. It's just a wee bit of fun. So have you got a favourite city to eat in? Uh, I, I'd have to say London, but again, I'm very spoiled because my brother lives with me, right? So, uh, <laughs> so it has to be my house. Michelin it's, star uh, beans on toast. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that's good. Um, and then what's your favourite hotel and why? I, I try to um, uh, think about the answer to that. I come from a very small town in, in the north of England called Morecambe. Um, ah, and Morecambe have a have a, a hotel called the Midland Hotel that was mm -hmm. derelict for many many years. But apparently, my my family have had kind of multiple um, jubilee wedding anniversaries there. So you know, maybe maybe one day I'll have mine mine there too. So it would be the Midland Hotel in Morecambe. Nice. Uh, favorite coffee shop? Oh, there's a there's a coffee shop around the corner from me called Bewley Hill. And uh, it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's a really great friendly atmosphere. So going back to the point of experience, it's not just great coffee, but it's such a nice atmosphere and engaging and, uh, and yeah, experiential. Was that in Islington? It's in Islington, yeah, Bewley Hill. It's a great coffee shop. Do you know? Um, just going back to your Midland Hotel, this popped up for me on Instagram two days ago, wow. and I had never seen it before. What a coincidence! <laughs> and apparently, it was the UK's first Art Deco hotel. There we go. Yep, it is. Wow, that's a beautiful hotel. <laughs> oh, yeah, people should definitely look that up. Oh, that's wicked, yeah. Um, and then uh, what was the other couple of things then? So coffee shop, favourite bar? Have you got a favourite bar? I'm not a really big drinker, if I'm honest. Ah. So uh, I don't really I don't really have one. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, I wouldn't even know where to begin. Actually, that I, I, I tell a lie. I used to live near the Langham, uh, Langham oh, Hotel, and well, there's there a... Go. There's a very nice, uh, I think it's called the Artisan or something like that. There's a very yeah. nice co co cocktail place in the Langham. And what would you have in there? Oh, they did uh, all sorts of different uh, cocktails. They 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 change it every single time. But um, yeah, like I say, I'm not a big big drinker. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think at one stage it was the best cocktail um, cocktail place in the world. Wow, excellent. And have you got like a favourite drink, even if it is soft? It would What's probably be very boring, but probably a margarita. Ah, very good. That's good. That's good. Um, and then the last one, you got a favorite restaurant? 
uh, maybe taking your brother out of the equation, but have you got a favourite restaurant and why? And and also, what, what would you eat there? What would you be your favourite dish? Oh, again, there's so many. It's uh, such a, a difficult um, question to answer. Um, yeah, sushi is probably my favourite. There's a yeah. very nice uh, sushi restaurant on the on Upper Street called Zen Mondo. Again, um, experiential. Uh, it's uh, it's lovely in there. Oh, sushi's the best, for sure. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, I'm following quite a few people on, on TikTok and Instagram that like sushi chefs and you're just drooling. It's just like, you know, it's the best thing. I'm, I'm really lucky where I live in Brighton on Preston Street. There's uh, a Japanese restaurant called Bencho Yakitori and um, it's just one uh, best restaurant in Brighton and it's his sort of homage to, is it, um, uh, is, is he, uh, is he guy maybe? Uh, I can't remember. Um, basically, it's underneath the, it's kind of like underneath the arches in Tokyo Station. You've got the little kind of nice. grubby, you know, places to eat and whatever. But oh my God. And he, he studied and, and cooked out in Japan for years. So uh, it's a fabulous place to go, you know, something else. Yeah. So um, more, more sort of cooked stuff than it is, you know, sushi. But uh, sushi, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's excellent. It's really cool. Okay, nice. And then just to finish off then. Future of AI, what are you thinking, you know, the next three, five, ten years? What are you seeing in your in your vision? Yeah, well, like I said, I, I did a, a TEDx talk recently on on the impact of AI in, in the longer term. Um, and as I mentioned, we probably won't see much over the next few years, but I'm, I'm hoping that these technologies will be used responsibly more and more to enrich, you know, our lives, free people up from economic constraints and, and just kind of steer the world towards a, a much more positive positive place so we all get to sit home and watch the telly magic. if you want to yeah <laughs> yeah i think again most of the people i know that don't have to work they don't they don't do that they uh <laughs> do other things yeah that's it yeah what's the thing you know rich people just seem to not have tvs or the, the bigger the house <laughs> the smaller the telly seems to be the ratio i don't know what's going on there anyway it's been such a pleasure to talk to you i don't think i've came off a podcast more like inspired and excited i mean this is just so much great information so thank you and um i'm really jealous of you having such a cool job so well done to you. <laughs> thanks mark <laughs> so yeah so I, I hope you have a great day and um yeah we'll, we'll catch up again soon i hope you can you can tell me what's going on so yeah brilliant awesome thanks so much. Do. take Cheers. care bye bye So, wow, we, I think, is all I can say after that incredible interview with Daniel Hume, who is Chief AI Officer at WPP and also the CEO of Satalia. So, do check them out. Go to the websites and check out Daniel's companies and what he does. Obviously, get in touch with them as well if you've got any needs or questions or help that's required in terms of all things AI. I mean, it's such big thinking, especially for our industry as well. We don't always get the chance to be first in these things. So now's the chance to look at AI, embrace AI, and start to think about how it can help you in your company, your role, your team's and actually automate the things that are less interesting with the purpose of you spending time on the things that you really love and will help you thrive in your life every single day. So a massive, massive thanks to Daniel. Thanks to you for listening as well. I'm just so inspired after hearing that and hopefully we'll have many more interviews like that to come that will keep us all poised and interested and things that will just really pique our curiosity and all of the possibilities that are out there to make us even better at our roles and to really push our companies forward. 
This podcast is sponsored by VitaMojo, the all-in-one restaurant management platform helping operators grow ATV, reduce tech complexity and serve guests better. Just visit vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic and get in touch with the team right away. That's vitamojo.com forward slash supersonic. Thanks also to our silver partners, HDI, Saved by Robots and Airship and Toggle for their support as this podcast would not be possible without all of our partners. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off for another podcast and I'm really looking forward to the next time we're together. Next time, we'll hear from many, many more interesting people with top tips, tricks and tales that will make your brand boom. Boom.